Radio means distinct things to different people. For some, radio primarily means the golden age of the 1920s through the 40s, when network radio headlined the only broadcast service and provided a variety of programs for all tastes. For such listeners, radio's importance is in its programs and stars, its role as the on-the-spot recorder of history, and in its carriage of period politics, sports, and talk. It is this period of old-time radio that's hotly collectible, books, program premiums, recordings, magazines, and equipment of the era. For others, radio means the omnipresent, yet increasingly struggling business of the early 21st century, with chains of stations under common ownership, dependent on syndicated programs and as much advertising as they can sell in an increasingly competitive marketplace. And for still others, radio does not mean broadcasting at all, but instead refers to the transmission of voice and data, amateur or ham station operators, or even reception of music and talk programs on the Internet. Each of these meanings, non-mutually exclusive, illustrates part of radio's pervasive overall role in society. But for almost everyone, radio is all about people, first and foremost, whether unseen announcers and sportscasters or singers and other performers, radio's very personality over the decades has derived from the voices heard. Indeed, many listen to radio for their audio friends coming over the ether, for some the only connection to the world they readily access. That from Christopher Sterling, editor of the Biographical Encyclopedia of American Radio, pointing to the importance of voices in radio, saying some people consider them audio friends. We're about to meet one of those voices, a person who happens to treasure other voices in radio. He is comedian Tom Papa, who is a regular guest on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. He hosts other radio shows, produces podcasts, writes books, and perhaps is most widely known as a stand-up comedian who tours, does television and film, and who will perform at the Scranton Cultural Center on March 10th. We had a chance to speak by phone with Tom Papa about his radio work and his upcoming show in Scranton. My love of, of NPR really came from when I was in like southern New Jersey. I remember vividly when I was starting my career in my 20s, I, was, I would be driving, listening. For some reason, I would always catch Prairie Home Companion when I was on my way to my shows. And now if you think of the timing of it, it was probably like 5 or 6 o'clock early evening, and I was trying to get to a show for 8. And I would always run into Prairie Home Companion and just loved like, the, the world that he kind of set up. It was just so special and unique. And then to fast forward all these years later when I actually got to be the head writer and actually do monologues on Prairie Home Companion, which became live from here, it was like such a huge moment for me that and now that I'm on wait wait don't tell me and I get to guest host on that it's like it really it 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 hooked me when I was young and without even thinking of like trying to get there that I ended up in this place was really really special to me what's important in that way that it grabbed you you're alone in your car and you're listening to Prairie Home Companion then 
and we always talk about the intimacy of, of radio, and that's you and Garrison or any of his guests and so forth. Is that something that's a key when you're doing the work that you do now on radio or elsewhere? It, it is a key, but it's interesting because when, as when I listen as a fan, I feel that way. I feel like close with the, with the host and with the show, and you really feel like you know them. When you're doing the show... You're just trying your best to be as funny as you can or as thoughtful as you can. Just do a good job. And I tend to forget that I'm on the other side of it, if that makes sense. And then when I'll be at my shows, I usually sign books after. And I'll sit in the lobby after the show and sign books for people. And they come up and they have this familiarity. They do feel like they know me. And I completely forgot about that aspect of it, like, Oh, I'm just out there trying my best, writing as much as I can, getting up there, doing all this stuff. And then they remind me, like, no, we actually have a relationship now. <laughs> and it's really, it is pretty special. I mean, that's kind of why I, I really believe that's why podcasts have become so popular now. Like, we've kind of gone back to, like, you know, we, we went through people leaving radio and going into television and all this stuff. And now it's kind of full circle because this is very unique to this, to this media. It's very unique. There's a, a more of an intimacy than you have when you're watching something or scrolling past something. What's interesting also in this regard, Tom, is that when we watch you, when we watch you being funny on video or however we catch you in person, for sure, but it's, mm-hmm. it's more obvious when you're on a screen and we can see you and hear you that way together. Your face is such a wonderful instrument, and I don't mean consciously, but it's so much a part of the stories that you're telling us, the eyebrow raises or the head tilts. feels to me that that's so much about what makes you a whole artist, because you aren't just mouthing lines, you're living them, especially with your face. And yet when you're talking on the radio and being funny, it's just you and your voice. I don't know. I think it's... I think. I think you're right. I think when you see it, it's that way. But you're, that, I'm not conscious of it. So it, I think it ultimately comes from just the truthfulness of it and what I'm really trying to convey or that it, it's playing on me some way. It's not, it's not fake. So I think it comes through on the radio. I think it comes through on podcasts because it's really coming from deep inside. Uh, when you see it live, but maybe it It might add to it, but it might just distract you because I've got such a big face. (laughs) There's a clip online in which you say your phone is selecting photos of you for you, and they seem to be of two different people. Yeah, I know. And that's the thing. From being expressive on stage, people will take pictures, and then whenever it ends up online or in some newspaper or something, it's always me in the middle of making a face. And that's that's tough for me to see. (laughs) I think I'm in shape, and then they... They show me with like four chins. <laughs> it's really I'm better. I'm better off not looking at it. <laughs> and just one more extension of the fact that you do radio and that you were hooked on Prairie Home Companion, and then you went on to that and live from here. The fact that you engage in and make a point of doing radio plays is intriguing too, because that's got roots in the past of radio too, in as Garrison and company did. But you're doing something different from those shows, yeah? Yeah, well, I, you know, I kind of have my hands in a lot of different parts of it. I do this Sirius XM show called Netflix is a Joke. It's called What a Joke with Papa and Fortune. It's me and Fortune Feenster, and we interview people, and we 
you know, we're kind of like a little home for comedians to come and promote their stuff and be guests. And that's like just kind of traditional back and forth. Then I also do on Sirius XM this Come to Papa show, which I've been doing for like nine years now. And I, it really came from, and this was before I did Prairie Home Companion or Live From Here, I wanted to do my version of a Prairie Home Companion, thinking that what would it be like if it was in the hands of comedians, if it wasn't just humorous and musicians, but what if it was straight out trying to be as funny as possible and use stand-up comics where Garrison was using musicians. And for that, I write scripts, you know, and I do that once a month, and I'm still going out. I just did one the other day. And uh, I really do love that. I love the writing the scripts, getting these actors to come up and, and tell these stories. And then we do like these fake ads similar to the way they did it on Prairie Home. And I love it. And it, I can't, it, you know, I keep going back to how we've gone full circle, but people really love the show. They love it when they see it live and they love to hear it. There's something just so great that we can still do that and still and i think it's because you're putting it it's almost closer to reading where like the i think the listener is engaged if i write a sketch about aliens and coming down the listener gets to paint it and fill in the blanks and make it their own and i think that is a very powerful component to the whole experience since our listeners many of them know you from the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me sessions in your hosting. If we only know it from listening on the radio, are there things about the execution of the show or things that happen that are delightful to you but we might not be aware? Yeah, the, the, the structure behind the show is the thing that's most impressive to me. I mean, I love being a guest and being with, you know, sitting alongside like Paula Poundstone and and Alonzo Bowden and all these great people. And it's, that's fun and loose. So you just, you just got to kind of keep your eye on the news, but then you just show up and try and be funny in the moment. That's very improvisational and very loose. And then when I was hosting, I got to see, you know, I've done it, I guess, five times now. I got to see the structure behind it. And there's no mistake of why that show is so funny. They've got this core group of like eight writers and producers and they're such a good group. They really do like each other. They're creative. The lines they come up with. And, you know, you meet, you meet, start meeting like Monday, and then we shoot on or tape on Thursday. And I got to, you get to spend every day with them and then see how they're picking the stories out, mining them. What's going to be funny? What's going to be something we can talk about? What will be something that the guests will engage in? What's relevant to, to our listeners? And that, to me, was the surprise. Like, a lot of times you'll be doing shows and you have, you have writers and, you know, they kind of come and go, different TV shows I've been involved in and what have you. This one really feels like it's a family. Like, these, this core has been working at it for a long time, and they're also very conscious of bringing in new, younger people and getting new voices but it just gives you the feeling that you get. This is the long answer. This is the short version of what I just said. Is the feeling you get when you listen to that show that it is kind of like this fun little family stop. Like you, you there's a familiarity and there's a thing that really does come from the writers behind it. You said you love doing both aspects of it. I can see why. When we hear you doing the hosting, it sounds like sounds like you are someone who is inclined to be that way, to be comfortable in that way and to respect it and to be able to carry it off. 
Yeah, I, you know, I, it's funny. Very few people understand it, and in the, I think even some of the writers don't get it. I hold it in such high regard because I grew up listening to it. My whole life was comedy, and then had this love for these shows. Like when I got to stand at the Fitzgerald Theater and do a monologue, and I got to stand in Peter's behind Peter's podium and host the show. I don't, I don't take that lightly. I really don't. It's so special to me to be able to do it and to try and do it as best as I can. I, you know, I'll, I'll say to friends, like I, I'll try and explain like what it means to me, but they just don't get it. It's just too, it's just, they're like, yeah, that's cute. You're doing radio. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I'm sitting next to Bill Curtis at a podium hosting this show that's this legendary show. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's a funny show. Ah, you don't get it. <laughs> it means so. It does mean a lot to me. Well, yeah. you're coming to Scranton, and we know that Scranton's a comic city because, well, everybody knows, oh, the office, the office. <laughs> right, yeah. Scranton has a history. It was one of those towns like Boston that was a tryout town close enough to New York, so all the vaudeville acts used to come here, and there were, oh, you know, Burns and Allen, and and, yeah. and Jack Benny was here in 1925, and things like that. Wow. But you're going to be playing in a remarkable structure. The Scranton Cultural Center was designed by the architect who designed Radio City Music Hall, Raymond Hood. Oh, and wow, it, that's great. I love so that. you're going to have some fun there. But you're going to do a show that isn't the intimate kinds that we've been talking about. What kinds of things are you thinking about? Do you have a tour now and that you're moving through, like you're going to be at Town Hall in New York the next day? What's in your heart these days as you're going to do a tour like this? Um, you know, my last Netflix special just came out a couple months ago. And once once that goes out and the public, you put it out there, it's exciting because I get to go then work on the new ideas and the new directions that I'm that I'm going into. And uh, it seems like, you know, and it kind of evolves and starts to take shape. All of my stuff really comes from the heart of family. I, I talk a lot in this, in this new hour about my, my parents and my, my kids taking off. And then I also talk about just how we're all dealing with how our families are dealing and how we're all dealing with the onslaught of news. And I really feel like we should be able to enjoy ourselves at this point, like we had to worked so hard over the last three, four years of being our own reporters, being our own doctors, being our own uh, stock analysts. <laughs> it's like, can't we just go back to just enjoying ourselves and rolling on the floor with our dogs and eating chocolate chip cookies? I, <laughs> I think we're allowed to turn off the news for a while and get back to the everyday life that is uh, the stuff that we can actually deal with and change and 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 enjoy and i i feel like that's what the act is right now it's it's a little bit more of an escape from all of the uh the madness that we had to carry for the last several years celebrated comedian tom papa who is a regular guest on npr's wait wait don't tell me and has been hosting the show from time to time he hosts other radio shows as well produces podcasts writes books and he's perhaps most widely known as a stand-up comedian who tours he does television and film and he will perform at the scranton cultural center on march the 10th at 7 30 p.m 
and we have a chance to give you all the details that you'll need. It's 7.30 p.m., the Tom Papa 2023 Comedy Tour at the Scranton Cultural Center, 420 North Washington Avenue in Scranton. For more information, sccmt.org, sccmt.org, or you may call the box office. Area code 570-344-1111, The Scranton Cultural Center at the Masonic Temple presents Tom Papa 2023, the comedy tour, on March the 10th at 7.30 p.m., And for more information on the web, sccmt.org. And that stands for Scranton Cultural Center at the Masonic Temple. sccmt.org. 